Hey, this is Sam from the future. For the first time in a long while, we've been really bitten by this whole thing that it takes me a couple days between when we record and when I publish this thing. Um, and so the entire collapse of the regime in Afghanistan happened. <laughs> um, uh, now, it was clear that it was happening uh, when we recorded this, we have a segment on Afghanistan later on, but it still seemed like it would hang on for a little while, <laughs> like, you know, maybe a couple weeks. It did, It honestly didn't seem like it would be months, uh, but maybe a week or two, maybe. Uh, Yvonne even mentioned the possibility of Kabul hanging on by itself, even once the rest of the country was taken for an extended length of time. Yeah, no, none, none of that happened. Uh the Taliban was able to take over the entire country, um, mostly with the Afghanistani military just giving up and running away. And so luckily there hasn't been a lot of shots fired yet. Cross your fingers. We'll see the, uh, the you know, the airport uh, area is still under the control of international forces as they try to get more people out as I'm recording this. Who knows how that will develop? Uh, in any case, um, a lot has happened since we recorded this. Uh, we recorded Friday night U.S. time. I am starting to put it together Sunday afternoon U.S. time, and uh, a lot has happened in that little bit of time. Uh, and before I get this done and out the door, even more may happen. Uh, so keep that in mind uh, as you are listening to our commentary on things um, that. Yeah, events just kept happening and happened much quicker than anybody thought. Uh, I mean, clearly it looks like the administration thought that maybe the regime in Afghanistan could hang on, but I don't think they even really believed that. They it, Apparently intelligence was telling them uh, by the end of the year it would probably fall, uh, but not by August 15th, you know, so... Anyway, uh, yeah, with that in mind, here's our show. Welcome to Curmudgeon's Corner for Saturday, August 14th, 2021. It is 2.20 UTC as we're starting to record. I am Sam Minter and Yvonne Bo is here again. Hello, Yvonne. Hello. So, agenda. Agenda, 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 agenda. Um, we're going to do our butt first segment. Both Yvonne and I will have something light and fluffy or about our lives or something to talk about. Um, and then... Uh, and we'll, sh yeah, <laughs> I, I, I can't even get through saying it straight. <laughs> yeah, you like, you like. Yeah, we will, we will try to you make You can't even say segments. what I'm laughing. We will try, try right. to keep these topics to 15 minutes each, two per segment. So the segments are around a half hour each, uh, including the butt first to, yeah, because, because we're targeting, we're targeting between 90 minutes and two hours and we did it successfully for a couple weeks. So we'll, we'll see, we'll see what we can do. Um, uh, anyway, that, that, that's the plan. Oh, and I, I should tell you what those topics are. Uh, pandemic, Afghanistan, bowling, 
No, not bowling. Well, that might be one of your introductory topics. Not bowling. You want to talk about bowling? Anyway, pandemic, Afghanistan, infrastructure, and then the census results and what that means for redistricting and all of that kind of stuff. Those are our main topics. But it is time for but first or second. Or second. Or because really the agenda is first, right? So yeah. Uh so you would you like to go first or shall I, Yvonne? Uh, yeah. Who, who, uh, I mean, I can, I can, I, 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 I'm here. I can go first. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Am I here? Yes, I am here. So, anything fun this week or interesting or books or movies or anything? Uh, books or movies or anything. Well, Anything. I, go ahead and talk about what you were going to talk about. Oh, well, cool. school school started this week. Uh, you know, uh, so that was like, you know, it's, that, that was like uh, interesting. Now, I figured I'd figured we'd hit some of that in the pandemic segment. Do you have non-pandemic stuff to say about school? Not, but well, this is not a pandemic thing. The one thing that's, okay. that's happened with school this week is, um, you know, it always seems like, so I drive we drive manu to school and we don't send him by bus okay right and so uh always like the first week of school like the car line is always a mess to, to mm. drop off and pick up it, it's always seemed like that way i don't know but i mean because nobody like, knows what they're doing they've all forgotten from, from the previous year it's, or blah, blah, blah. it's what it seems like a lot of people are new people that just have never i mean there's just i mean people just aren't there like they haven't ever done this before um Right, and some of them haven't, and some of them haven't, but it's just been the lines have been impossible. I mean, I, mm. I, I just, um, I mean, it's ridiculous how long it's taken to pick them up and drop them off. I mean, it's a good thing that I, you know, what what what's happened the last couple of days is I've just decided to just do some work. You know, I'll do some calls and emails and whatever waiting from the damn car. Mm. Because I'm like, I, there, there's, I mean, there's just nothing else to do. I mean, I'm spending a whole bunch of time just sitting there. Now, one of the things that I have to resort to um, is that I can't even take the hybrid over there. Uh, I'm taking my car, which is just fully electric. Because otherwise, you're just okay. sitting there idling way too damn long with the car. Mm. It, you know, now, if, the, if it was, say, November, I could be, like, with the windows down or whatever right, right now. But we're in the middle of fucking August. You need your AC. Yeah, I mean, the temperature, the, the gauge is reading over 100 degrees outside when you're sitting in between all those cars, okay? No, I, I mean, I need the damn AC. I tried to actually, the other day, just, you know, shut down and open the windows, because I'm really not that bad with it. But I was like, nah, no, no, I can't do this. Uh, but I, I, I decided that in order to do that responsibly, I had to take, you know, we couldn't take my wife's hybrid, because the battery on the hybrid, you know, only lasts for... A certain amount of time and i mean look the other day i think that the entire process just to take him to school and pick him back up took two and a half hours wow it's just an ins yeah no it's just bonkers amount of time that was just consumed and before look in the morning if i drove to school i would leave here um uh 7 45 and he would be already in the classroom before eight o'clock. That's not happening right now. 
Let me ask you, you said this wasn't pandemic related, but do you think part of it is more parents dropping off their kids because of the pandemic rather than putting them on the school bus or something? I don't think so. I, I, I you know, it, it could be, but, you know, I'd already done the car line last year um, without the, the, you know, with the pandemic. Okay. And it was not like this. Yeah, yeah. It, it, this is like, I mean, we're talking about a change from like, you know, school ended in the middle of June to now gotcha. where it's just unbearable. Huh. Um, I, I just don't know why. It's just, it's just insane. Maybe they'll all get used to it after a few weeks and it'll be fine. I hope so. Um, I, I, I I'll, I'll tell you my secret, you know, the, the, the secret our family has used, which is, and, um, for, for, first of all, for, with Alex, what we've done for school is. Our pattern in the last few years, you know, absent last year where it was virtual the entire year. So I barely remember actually how we did it. But no, we uh, we would drop him off in person, but he would take the bus home in the afternoon. Ah. Uh, but, you know, the key to the drop off and also the reason we didn't take the bus, uh, but also helped with all of those traffic issues um, is just always being really late. Yeah. <laughs> You know, if if you don't even get him to school until 15 minutes or 30 minutes after school starts, you know, no, there's no crowd no, anymore. No, F- fuck you. No, no. Look, I, I'm sorry. The reason why I literally, when I'm here, I take him to school every day is so the kid is fucking on time every damn day to fucking school. Because if not, if my wife did it, then yes, he would be late to every day to school. And I know this because there was one time that I know that, you know, when I've gone on a business trip, so we we used to take him when he was in, in pre-K and kindergarten, where you had to actually sign in. Yeah. Okay? You had to actually sign in for pickup and a drop-off. Okay? So you, you had to do that. And look, let me tell you, one day I grabbed a sheet from, like, apparently some were not signed. Or some were, you know, whatever. But I had to go back and, like, look through the sheet. And I looked at the th- the, the signatures at a time that my wife was dropping my, my son off or whatever when I was out on a business trip. And holy shit, was that kid late. <laughs> holy shit, was that kid late. It, we, we were bad enough that, uh, you know, we got letters from the school and all that kind of stuff. Obviously. Yeah. So so I, I all last year in, well, the last year we were actually physically in school. Um, I was keeping graphs and charts and all this kind of stuff of, you know, exactly when he got to school every day and what percentage of the time we were late by how much. And yeah, no, it was really bad. It was really bad. And it, you know, and um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We we are not good at this. This entire family is not a morning family. Mornings are such a horrible struggle. I lost it. I, let, let me be clear about this. I am a. I hate the fucking mornings. Okay, all right. It, 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 I. I am just. Look, I would rather stay in bed until nine o'clock. Okay, there's no doubt about you, that. You say but, that, and like nine o'clock is early to me. I'd rather stay in bed till noon. No, 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 no. I can't stay in bed till noon. But I would. I, I would love to stay in bed until nine fucking o'clock. Okay, all right. Yeah. But yeah. son of a bitch, look. I. I listen. <laughs> I, I have a commitment to get this kid to school on time. Yeah, sometimes I'll leave. I won't have brushed my teeth or anything or whatever. I'll just take care. I come back or something. But look, his lunch is packed. He is dressed. He's got deodorant. I combed it. He's, his hair is combed. His teeth are brushed. Everything is like perfectly on the on the dot. That kid is there. 
I mean, I am leaving here with enough time that I should be there on time right now. They're actually allowing the kids just to alert late, and they're not marking them tardy, okay? Yeah. Because they know it's a shit show, okay? So they're not even, like, whatever. Now, this morning, I was only, like, maybe, like, a few minutes late, maybe, like, three to five minutes late. It wasn't that big a deal, so it's, it's gotten better in the morning. And, and I mean, it got a little bit better in the, today in the afternoon, but, man... Still, the pickup is is just a shit show. It's a complete shit show. The pickup. I, I just don't know why it's so bad. Um, I I just don't know. I, and and I'm like, I, I mean, it, it's just it's just such a time killer. And you know, we're talking about climate change and all of this shit going on or whatever. You've got all these people who fucking like you know cars just idling nonstop, like sitting there or whatever for a whole damn hour. It's just, it just fucking kills me. So that's well. That's one fucking reason why I'm making sure that, you know, one day I went in my, car, my, my, my wife's car, and even though it's a very usually fuel-economical hybrid, it, you know, because it was so hot, and I ran the AC, I mean, I burned so much fuel that I was just embarrassed by it. I said, no, I'm not doing this again in that car. We're only coming into EV, not fucking doing this again, mm. and just sitting here, you know, doing that. So I've been, I've been having to make sure... That both of us just take the EV, you know, just just make sure that we're going in that because I'm I, I just don't want to be burning fuel, like just to keep myself cool for. I mean, it's been over an hour. It's not a short amount of time. Yeah, let, let me let me ask another sh- uh, question about your mornings, though. What time does school start for your eight a.m. kid? Eight a.m. Eight a.m. Yeah, yeah. Could could That's... be worse. Could be better. Like I feel like Alex's school last year, which was fifth grade, didn't start till nine, which was nice. Oh, um, oh I, that's I, nice. Fuck. I think the older they get, the younger the the younger the, <laughs> the older they get, the younger the older they get, the older they get, the earlier school starts. Like. Yeah, so middle school starts earlier than elementary school, That's and high school good. starts even earlier. I think. That's not good. Um, so I, I have a, you know, it, it turn, turns out uh, we don't even actually have the start date for our school here yet because the there's still like contract negotiations going on. No, nope. uh, so they haven't nailed down the date yet. It, it's it's usually like the second week of September, uh, but we'll see. Like if it, if it all, you know, if they, you know make a deal it will still be but uh i but i don't i don't even know yet like what his start time will be at his school because he's going into sixth grade oh. which is the first year of middle school oh. so, oh, uh, so I, I guess young. i'll find out but if it's 8 a.m i'm gonna be so unhappy <laughs> You know, it's miserable to have to take I can't I mean, deal I, with I, that. you know i usually i'll make his you know i i you know i i finish usually so he, he i'll send him some chicken nuggets for 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 his food for for lunch yeah okay and uh you know i try to make those in the morning not not not, not the night before i just don't want to leave him like hey i want to make him look so he can have it as fresh as possible Okay. Yeah, right. yeah. So, yeah. You don't want something I, I, that's been in the yeah. container for a day already. Before yeah, you exactly. So I, I, I usually I will make him. You know, the 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 I'll put, pop him the oven in the morning. Make sure to get his lunchbox all together. You know, put everything together. Go make sure that he gets ready and you know take him to school and whatnot. And and I, I mean I do that. You know, my wife is an even worse per- person. She's a bad morning person too. I mean, we are all on the same boat on this here, where we are against early mornings. Okay, 
Every they should yeah. be abolished. All these fucking assholes that think that this is such a great idea really could go all fucked themselves. I, I well, mean, and, f- and I mentioned, you know, they make it earlier and earlier. So like high school starts earlier than anything else. And I've heard like some Ugh. some high schools starting at like seven. And seven. Yeah. And and I'm like, you know, all the research says that teenagers and adolescents in general need their sleep and their biological clocks are wired to start later. And you would get so much more out of these kids if you let them start at 10. I, I, I'm 100% with you. And, and, I, and to be blunt, how is that convenient for parents? Even for teachers. Look, listen, if the school damn school day started, really, at around 9. Yeah. Ran till 4 o'clock mm-hmm. in the afternoon, 5. That's a hell of a lot more convenient than this stupid hours that we're doing right now. Yeah, I mean, you still have, you know, the scenario that all of this was designed for a world where one parent is at home as well. Right. And if you're lucky enough to be in well, that Well, that world's been long gone a long fucking time ago. Yeah. At, at least until the pandemic when we're half of us are all at home but uh well yeah you know, but but right but, but but yeah but but uh but yeah certainly like you know no the it is it is common now for both parents to work both parents to have obligations during the day um it, it's the exception where you have a parent actually at home being able to handle all this stuff separately look so I, yeah i happen to have the the ability and the convenience at least that you know if i go over there right like right now like, because also technology has evolved right yeah. where look i could go look I, i'm sitting in traffic it's not like i'm unplugged from my work i i've got you know i could do practically you know i will say that about 70 to 80 percent of what i need to do from for work i could get done there i mean maybe there's a, there's a couple of pieces where i, I don't want to actually i could probably do a hundred percent of it but i choose not to do a certain percentage of it if i if i'm really working on a presentation or something like that maybe i'll review some stuff or whatever but but i don't want to i don't want to do something that involves just sitting there in you know it it in the car I'd rather not do that. Do it there, but but I could do like follow up. You know, I was following up on certain things. You know, to get shipped. I was making sure that certain price approvals were done. Got a couple of calls done. Yeah, I, I mean, I could take care of all of that. Sure, no problem. Yeah, th- things that are basically just phone. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, and how about the yeah. damn phone right now is a freaking computer anyway. It's not like well, you know, yeah, but a- I, but presumably, like you know. I know I know you're talking about the situation where you're stuck in the damn parking lot for half an hour or something. Right. Yeah. Um but like even if you're like driving back and forth, you can do a phone call. Oh yeah, of know. course. Yeah. You know. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. um yeah, you you wouldn't work on a presentation while you were actually driving. No, no. I I I I I I have watched a presentation out of a corner of my eye while driving. I have I will admit to have done that. Tisk tisk tisk. <laughs> I, you know, I was listening to this conference call. And they were like occasionally flashing a different slide. I glanced over at it. That's it. That's the the most of. Uh huh. Uh huh. Sure. Sure, Yvonne. That's, that's, <laughs> a- a- anyway, yeah. No, the 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 whole idea of a school day being less than a work day and being at sort of odd hours compared to the work day. Because I know they the yeah. It, it it's just it, it's not convenient for anybody. And everybody's always trying to figure out what to do. And I mean, I know every time, like, you know, when when both myself and my wife were working and neither one of us were at home, you have to figure out, well, what are you going to do with the kid between the time they finish school 
and when somebody gets home, you know, uh, and, and it's, it's hard and it's expensive. And, you know, these are, these are the kinds of things that are extremely limiting to people who can't afford to like pay for aftercare or something. And I know the, the schools generally have something, but it's generally not great. And, uh, you know, it depends. It depends. There, where, what the, what the options are depends on where you live. It depends on how much you can afford. It can, you know, all kinds of things. But like the whole system is still designed around the notion that some parent is going to be always available. Yeah. And that's just not, not true. Right. Exactly. Agreed. Okay. Okay. Uh, and uh, it, it's it's about my turn now. It's your turn. It's my turn. It's your turn. Okay. Um. So it's been a while since I've done one of these, so I'm going to do a movie. Movie! Yeah, because I don't have anything else exciting to talk about about this week. We've got another heat wave here in the Pacific Northwest. Air... Air quality sucks as well. You know, so whatever. Yeah, a, a movie. And last time I did a movie or a book or whatever, I mentioned what this would be. I gave the preview. Uh, the next movie to talk about, for me anyway, uh, which we watched, well, I watched. Nobody else in the family watched this. It was just me. March 5th of this year, High Noon, which is a 1952 Western. Yeah, I was going to say. I'm like, that sounds like a Western. Okay. Okay, and so uh, just run down the uh, stars a little bit. Uh, the, uh, I'm going to go do the ones that I recognize, okay? Because uh, there are a few names I don't. But starring Gary Cooper, Lloyd Bridges, Grace Kelly, Lon Chaney, and, and Henry Morgan. Okay, okay. And so the basics of this is... Uh, I'll, 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 I'll read the beginning of the Wikipedia uh, article on it. High Noon is a 1952 American Western film produced by Stanley Kramer from a screenplay by Carl Foreman directed by Fred Zinneman and starring Gary Cooper. The plot, which occurs in real time, centers on a town marshal whose sense of duty is tested when he must decide to either face a gang of killers alone or leave town when his new wife though mired in controversy at the time of its release due to its political themes, the film was nominated for seven Academy awards and won four actor editing score and song, as well as four golden globe awards, uh, actor supporting actress score, black and white cinematography. The award-winning score was written by Russian born composer, Dmitry Timokin. Timokin, Tlomokin, something. I, anyway, I, anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, I, I, I'm I'm a little bit far from my screen. I can't tell whether it's a TL or a TI or whatever. It, 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 basically, you're admitting that it's you're old. Correct. I, I am old. Yes, I could make it bigger. I I, I clicked you. it. It's a TI. It, it, yeah, yeah, and um, and I I did watch this because of the AFI 100 Years 100 Movies that came out in 1998. That I'm slowly working my way from 100 up to number one. This was number 33 on that list. Um, so anyway, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna give this a thumbs up. I I I'm not generally like I don't think of myself as liking westerns, but it was um it it this it's a slow burn. It's like, it says it's in real time. It basically, uh, you know, the, the guy gets married at the, in the morning 
and he's going to leave with his wife. I'm not giving anything away because this is all near the beginning of the movie. Uh, he gets married in the morning, uh, and then right after his wedding is over, he gets word that this is like the sheriff of the town or whatever. And his plan was to retire from being sheriff and leave town with his wife and start a new life somewhere else where his wife would run a shop or something. Uh, I forget exactly the plan, but something like that. Um, and then, um, you know, um, and he had turned in his star, he had getting ready to leave, and they find out that some, you know, criminal that he'd put in jail like a couple years earlier had gotten out and he's on the way back into town to rendezvous with his gang and the rest of his gang was was waiting for him at the train station and the train was due in at noon. And so he had two hours or however much it was until they arrive. And apparently this is, you know, a gang of, you know, they'd killed a bunch of people, whatever. The, these are not good guys and they are after him and they'd actually sent him a message, uh, you know, or let it be known or whatever that they were specifically coming back into town to kill him as revenge for putting this guy in jail. Okay. Nice. And, um, and so basically, you know, his brand new wife is like a pacifist and just wants to leave town. Um, and then the whole town is like scared of this gang and doesn't want to do anything. So the, the film basically follows as he goes around town to all the various townspeople, all of his friends, whatever, trying to get support to, you know, get a posse together to deal with these folks when they come back into town. Um, and, how that goes. Um, and you know, you know, who, who, who goes with him, who does not go with him, uh, how he reacts to that. Um, and what happens when the people actually get to town, uh, when the train arrives. Um, and I, I liked it. I mean, it, you know, there wasn't anything that was really super like surprising or unexpected. It sort of played out kind of the way you'd think it would play out. Um, even sort of one little bit that's, I guess, supposed to be a surprise near the ending was sort of like, okay, I could see that coming. Um, but it was sort of one of these movies where it's just the tension slowly, slowly builds over the course of the movie, right? It's not like, you know, big action sequences or big, like, twists and turns. It's just slowly ratcheting up that tension over the course of the movie. Um, and, uh, it, it was, it was good. It was, it was, it was good, uh, for the genre. It was an entertaining movie. It kept my attention for the most part. And I will say, it, I know when I read the summary here, it got an award for, um, uh, the score. Uh, the score was basically just one song that got repeated over and over and over again throughout the movie. And there's a, there's sort of a version that actually has lyrics. And then there's just sort of the instrumental version of it playing sort of in the background. But that also leads to the tension because it's the, like the same, like little bit of music sort of repeating over and over again in slightly different, uh, in slightly different ways with a little bit more, you know, it, it's sort of a sad, like things aren't going to go well kind of song. And, you know, they, they just play it up over and over again. A anyway, I enjoyed it. It was, a, it was a fun little thing. 
Well, I'm going to assume that the reason why they awarded the score, I'm, I'm guessing that pro- maybe up to that time, that was just something that was not as good an element in a movie, I guess. And so the, the fact that. Well, I mean, they, they or, had, or, or, you know, they had awards for best score before and after this. I mean, it's it, it just it won this year. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. But what I'm saying is that because because of how because you mentioned that it was it wasn't like a compilation of of, of it wasn't. It was only one song, basically. I'm assuming yeah. that there was something yeah. specific that that they probably did unique that was different with the use of that one song that must have the the, the people. Here, that here, here really is liked. here's the section. Here's the section on the Wikipedia page about the song. The movie's theme song, "High Noon," as it is credited in the film, also known by its opening lyric, "Do not forsake me, oh my darling." became a major hit on the country western charts for Tex Ritter, Mm. and later a pop hit for Frankie Lane as well. Its popularity set a precedent for theme songs that were featured in many subsequent western films. Composer Dimitri... Composer Dimitri Tiomakin's score and song with lyrics by Ned Washington became popular for years afterwards. And Mr. T, not that Mr. T, became in demand for future Westerns in the 1950s like Gunfight at the OK Corral and Last Train from Gun Hill. Okay. Well, there you go. So there was, so that's, so that was, you know, that's why that was, you know, it was, it was, it set a different tone for those kinds of songs. Okay. All right. Yeah. So so it it was, I would recommend it. It's a, you know. um, So you're you're giving it a thumbs up. And, and, you know, I said Henry Morgan, because that's how it's credited in the Wikipedia page, but it's actually, it's, it's Harry Morgan, um, who's uh, the guy from MASH. So you, you, you know, a bunch of these people like, um, you know, Lloyd Bridges was in all kinds of things. Grace Kelly was the one who went and became yes. princess of Monaco. Uh, Lon Chaney was the one who was known for like monster movies, you know? Um, and, uh, yeah. So, you know, yeah, you, you know, a bunch of these people, but like, they're all like, it's all when they were young and like people from our generation know them from when they were old so you kind of double take a little bit and say wait wait a second i i feel like i know that voice and maybe recognize that face but not quite and it's because you know the one that we're familiar with you know gen xers like us um are these folks at the tail end of their careers when they were much older and this is a, a movie when they were still young uh so anyway yeah i liked it Okay. All right. Well, so official thumbs up. Official thumbs up for High Noon. Um, And we will, um, uh, yeah, uh, we will do the... uh, We will put that on Sam's uh, uh, movie review record book. Okay. All right. I'll make sure make a... Yes. Register that there. Okay. All right. So... Anyway, that's it. Let's take a break. Uh, When we come back, pandemic and then Afghanistan. Back after this. Do, do, do! This podcast is sponsored by AlexMzilla.com. AlexMzilla is great. It's on YouTube. And it has lots of fun videos. AlexMzilla is awesome and great. 
I love his videos, and they are obviously better than Curmudgeon's Corner. Well, they're funnier. They're more interesting. And frankly, he seems at least a little smarter than either of the hosts of Curmudgeon's Corner. Honestly, it's ridiculous how endlessly talented and phenomenal Alex Emzala is. That's how great his YouTube channel is. A-L-E-X-M-X-E-L-A dot com. Yes. Do, do, do! Okay, we are back, and we're going to start with the pandemic and try to keep it to 15 minutes. Um, Just uh, stats to start with, as we usually do on a worldwide basis. Uh, Cases are still going up uh, fairly rapidly, but slowing down a little bit. Uh, Though on a worldwide basis, uh, while still going up, look like they're plateauing at this point, which is good. Um, In the U.S., uh, cases uh, still going up, but slowing down a little bit from where they were. And uh, deaths, though, is still heading up uh, and still look like it's it's not doesn't look like a plateau yet on deaths, but it's still way, way lower than our peaks before. So like, you know, people are getting, you know, really anxious about Delta and for good reason, but deaths really are still much less than we were seeing like in January and February and all that. Like we're we're nowhere near that yet, but we are back to where we were in like, you know, the beginning of June or end of May. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's, that's roughly where we are. Um, yeah, we had a, uh, I guess the other stat that's worth mentioning is, um, the vaccinations and we have, you know, the, the U S, um, has improved, uh, you know, we, we'd sort of plateaued. Um, we got a little bit of a bump from people getting scared. We talked about that last week. Right. You can see it on the first dose numbers. It hasn't yet been enough time for you to see it on the second dose numbers. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're, we're going up faster than we were, um, you know, a month or two ago, but we're still not, we're nowhere near the rate that we were increasing on vaccination, you know, back a few months ago, but, uh, but we're better than we were. So, so we have that. Uh, I guess that's all I got for stats, unless you want to dig into something. I think the main things to talk about in terms of pandemic, um, you know, we got a lot of school opening related stuff going on because a bunch of places around the country are trying it and having trouble. Uh, we've got it basically in the U.S. specifically. I'm not going to talk about the rest of the world right now. In the U.S. specifically, the the South is on fire um, all over from from Texas to Florida is just a mess. Um, and that's where the bulk of the problem is. We're getting all kinds of stories about hospitals filling up and healthcare capacity being maxed out and having to ship people, uh, you know, far away to get treatment and, you know, all of this kind of stuff. Uh, and we continue to, of course, hear about, you know, almost all of this is in the unvaccinated population, Uh, and so you keep hearing stories about, you know, people who regret the fact they didn't get vaccinated. Um, I, I, I heard one, um, it was Don Lemon on CNN, uh, was born in Louisiana, 
um, and went back to the hospital he was born in and interviewed a bunch of people in the COVID wards there, which basically the whole, the whole hospital is COVID now, or most of it. Um, and he, he interviewed like three or four people, um, who were still hospitalized, but recovering. So they, they were hoping to be released in a few days. Um, and all of them had not been vaccinated. But what was interesting to me is every single one of them said something along the lines of, no, I, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I just, you know, one of them said they just hadn't made time for it. Another one said that, you know, they wanted to wait for more information because they weren't sure. So they wanted the first people to go through right. so they could see how it went. But none of them were like, I was dead set against it. They were just sort of like, yeah, no, I just, I, you know, I, I, for whatever reason, they didn't feel the urgency. They didn't do whatever um, until it was too late. Um, and they universally said they were now telling all their friends and family to just hurry, just get it done. So, right. Uh, those are the summary things I had. Where did you, where did you want to take it, Yvonne? Hey, it was a good talk about <clears throat> what's going on here in the, in the state of Florida. Um, I mean, the, the biggest issue that we've got is, uh, well, you've got, uh, the governor, uh, basically just trying to go to war against people that want to do anything to be, try to get at least some kind of uh, measures in place in order to try to control the spread of the virus. He's not going out there and uh, and trying to motivate people to get vaccinated, but he was talking about giving them, you know, these the drug cocktail that, that Trump got, which... <laughs> Per dose yeah. is worth hundreds of thousands of dollars instead of getting a vaccine that's worth 20 bucks. And that he's sending out a task force to go and help different places. And I'm like, why don't you just fucking get people to wear masks and to get vaccinated? That's all you really need to do. Yeah. Really. It, I mean, it is important, like, you know, hey... If you've already got it, let's get people the best treatments they can have. But it's so much more efficient to prevent it in the first place. Exactly. And so that's the really irritating thing about this this guy who is is truly from every anybody who's seen him behind the scenes. He's just a fucking sociopath. Seems. I mean, he really is just pandering to whatever the hell tonight. Apparently, after. He had threatened school boards in Florida that were mandating masks to reopen schools. He had threatened to pull their funding. He had threatened to pull their salaries. And then finally after, which I had said originally, I I was kind of pissed off that some school boards backed off a little bit at first about this. Because I was like, give them the finger, say fuck you, say see, see you in court, motherfucker. And... Finally, after first not doing that, they did. Uh, the governor backed out, right? Which is what I what I thought. I'm just like, come on, you, you can't be intimidated by this asshole. I, I mean, from doing the right thing. So, uh, you know, so our, you know, my my son started going back to school this week, and you know, they they they. Our superintendent said, well, we're all wearing masks unless, you know, you have some written 
you know, excuse or something or whatever, you have to, period. That's it. And although I did notice, like, in a lot of these places, and I'm not sure about you, I think you forwarded something, actually, Yvonne, uh, of what your your district said. You know, they just required the parents to explicitly opt out. They don't require, like, you know, a met medical proof or whatever that you have an right. issue. That was what, because our district was the first one that decided to try to put some some kind of mandate to go around what the governor was and what they said was well okay we'll make it that it's hard okay right and so then so then the other districts got emboldened and they basically said no the hell with it we'll go with a doctor's excuse we'll fight the governor and so this has been going around to a head our district said you basically if your if your parent wrote a note and sent it to their homeroom teacher to do so, then they would waive the requirement. Now, what's happened with that is that basically, as far as I can tell, the no parent was like, "Yeah, let me just have my son infected," right? Or very few. For for the most part, what I've seen is that every child is going to school with a mask. So th- there there there's a couple things I want to mention on schools. Um, one is I, I I saw earlier today um a tweet by somebody and I was like, oh yeah, of course. Um just reminding folks about like in in terms of what's found, okay, you know, getting everybody vaccinated, absolutely. Wear wear masks in places where you're indoors, absolutely. But the one thing we hear very little about that has been shown to make a huge difference is Ventilation and HEPA filters. Mm -hmm. And it's like, those haven't been politicized yet. So maybe we can like make some traction, like pushing that and say, you know, okay, maybe we don't fight about the mask. I mean, I think we should probably still fight about the masks, but like probably more important than masks in many of these scenarios is make sure you have really good ventilation and HEPA filtering. And that actually has shown to make a huge freaking difference. And so, and I remember seeing a a couple months ago, and hopefully it's out of date information at at this point, that, you know, a lot of money was given out to schools and such for, you know, preparing to reopen safely. And a lot of that money had not been distributed, had not been actually used yet. And when it was used, wasn't necessarily being used efficiently. Like there, there was something about like, um, I, for, I forget what scammy thing it was. There was some scammy thing that you could put inside your vents. It was the, 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 uh, the it was the ionizing. The ionizing, yeah. The ionic. Yeah, and that. Yeah, which is all bullshit. It's all bullshit. Right. Not only does it not help with COVID, it actually has some harmful effects. Um you Correct. know, and a lot yes, of schools actually bad. For yeah. You. And a lot of schools were spending money on that. Whereas, you know, yes. you, you go down to your, you, you, you just, you just buy an, an air filter with a HEPA filter for every room. Okay. That by itself would help a lot, you know, and if you can do something to your central air, well, I, I put in, well, I, I, I will. Well, what I, well, and look, I, what I, I spent this money, and I don't. I mean, I looked at the research yeah. at, at the high level; it looked like it worked. I, I, what I put into our the ultraviolet uh, stuff. Uh, AC system in the house it was the UV. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and, Which but, also, but just you know, in general, right. the general concept that almost every indoor space could benefit 
Yeah, from like HEPA filtering, UV, and whatever. And, and just higher volume air, air exchange. You know? Just a fan in the freaking window helps a lot. Two factors why I think on aircraft where everybody thought it's just the worst place for COVID that we haven't really seen like these you know, an airplane really become a super spreader filtering 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 is it, it's it, it's well it's two things number one is that the airflow goes side to side yep. doesn't go front to back so therefore it doesn't really spread like people yep. think that that the, the, the air in in air, airplane it just doesn't work that way but the second thing is that the aircraft all use HEPA filtering most of the almost all the modern fil uh, aircraft use that and because they use the HEPA filtering combined with like re you know bringing in fresh air frequently where they you know they and and fairly rapid air exchanges as well fairly rapid air exchange it, it winds up that aircraft are not really a freaking covid you know and that's the kind of thing that event. every school should be prioritizing like and like i said if you're low on budget just sticking a freaking fan in the window helps you know yeah um but but there's you know if you if you can take some of the federal money that has been allocated to this and upgrade your your central air them to add some HEPA filtering and increase the airflow, that's going to help a huge amount. And like very few places are actually concentrating on that. Now, some are, but lots and lots aren't. And that uh, that's actually highly effective. The one thing that we've found out about this stupid disease is because it's airborne, ventilation is everything, <laughs> you know? And so if you, if you can do only one thing, you push the ventilation. Now, ventilation is more expensive than just wearing a freaking mask, and wearing a freaking mask is easy. So if that hadn't become politicized, then that, you know, yeah, wear your stupid mask, you know, et cetera. But, in the, in the, but you know, I, I think that we haven't had enough talk about the ventilation stuff, especially since that hasn't been politicized yet. So maybe you can get some Republicans in some red states where it's really needed to at least... Like say, hey, let's in let's improve the ventilation in all our schools, and maybe they won't be as upset about that as masks. Maybe, and it makes a big difference. Um, the one other thing I wanted to say, and we're about out of time for this topic, but is um, a number of school districts have opened up that tried to do it without mask rules, and immediately had outbreaks, um, and had to sort of back off and then say, oh, maybe we'll wear masks after all. Uh, it was too late and there were enough people infected that they just had to send everybody back and, uh, okay, we're going to go back to virtual school. Uh, idiots. I mean, sort of fucking... You know, and I, I've seen like a, a, a handful of reports of these. I don't know exactly how widespread it is, but there have certainly been a number of communities that have been hit like that. And I wouldn't be surprised to see more. I mentioned that our school district here uh, in Washington state, we're not starting till September sometime. So we've got some time. So part of what I'm thinking is, well, that means we got time to learn from what everybody else screws up here because, you know, if, yeah, I think we're we have a ma we're going to have a mask mandate here. Uh, the the state superintendent has asked the governor to put in a vaccine mandate as well. Uh, so we're going to be relatively protected, but still, you know, there's some questions of like, you know, well, is that a, even is that enough, right? And hopefully it is. Cross your fingers. But Delta is stronger than the previous variants, um, so we'll see. And you know, the rest of the country, places like you in Florida that are starting school a lot earlier will 
give us information. Like how, how do you do, which schools do well, which schools don't, uh, how, you know, are, are the best schools, uh, still having a problem? Um, or, you know, if you put the right protections in place, are you basically going to be okay? Uh, and so we'll have a few weeks to find out, which hopefully our local systems here will take advantage of and learn from and make appropriate adjustments to guidelines based on that. But, well, look, I, I think that what, are, you know, well, obviously we, we have the, the added variable of the Delta variant, yeah. but you've got a combination of two, two things. One is that you, we have vaccination. Yep. And two, that they, you know, they worked this way last year where they went back in, in person, um, a lot of people with a combination of masks and measures and yeah, other things. And, 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 and absolutely, absolutely. And, and, but you, you, you sort of said, well, we've got the, and we've we got the difference masks, of Delta. And we add masks. Yeah. But you, right, you said, you right, know, we got right, the difference right. of the Delta variant, but it actually is a big difference, you know? I know. So we'll see. I know. But I think the, the one thing that, that, that definitely, uh, with this that uh is very visible is uh you know what is going on with hospitalizations in the state and how it it hospitalizations and deaths and how you i I was pulling up some charts about Florida and it's just right now look you look at the data right now and because of the volume of cases right now mm -hmm. it's just so overwhelmingly clear how Deaths and hospitalizations just simply track the percentage of vaccination yeah. in the counties. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it's just, I mean, you don't need a fucking analytics, you know, package to sort the data, look at it. And it's like, oh, shit. You know, it's as clear as day. Right. It's as clear as day. I mean, it's just so fucking plain in your face that. At this point, with the data, you just have to be a complete fucking moron to dispute that the damn vaccines work and that by not doing so, that you're just putting yourself at risk. Yeah, no. It's as simple as that. Absolutely. That, that completely. And one stat I saw earlier today, and then we'll move on, uh, is that because of the increased ability for Delta to spread, um, the the rate at which Delta can rip through a 50% vaccinated community is the same as the rate at which the original variant could go through a completely unvaccinated community. <laughs> right, you know, right, so right. The, the vaccine, absolutely. The trend you are, are showing is this is still... You know, I, you see charts periodically of what percentage of hospitalizations, what percentage of deaths are through are unvaccinated versus vaccinated. It is still completely dominated by the unvaccinated. At this point, that is, it's ripping through the unvaccinated communities, uh, and that is the dominant factor everywhere. Um, and yes, there are breakthrough cases, but I saw. I saw just today a report that something like 40% of the breakthrough cases where an unvaccinated person uh, got the virus, um, even though it's, yeah, and I say got the virus, it's still less less hospitalizations, less deaths, less serious when you get it after right. having been vaccinated. But 40% of those cases were amongst people who were immunosuppressed to begin with. Uh, which is one of the reasons why the CDC today um, authorized uh, the booster, the booster shot for people who are in that category. 
Which I think I'm going to have to get my mom mm. to shit to get it. Uh, she has been suffering through some uh, some stuff this year, and she has been having to take immunosuppressants. And she's fully vaccinated right now, but I think I'm going to have to take her to get that third shot like as soon as possible. Yeah, well, I mean, what it's become increasingly clear that if you are in that health category, the the two shots just don't do the job. Like for, for everybody else. Yeah. The two shots is great. If you have any disease that affects your immune system, basically the two shots just aren't doing it as much as you would like. And so, yes, a third, I wouldn't be surprised if at some point they even say fourth, but right now they're saying uh, in that category, you need a third. And so, yeah, if anybody's listening is in that category, it was authorized uh, on Friday the 13th. So go talk to your doctor and get that done. You know? So. Okay. Um, no, we won't take a break until the next topic is over. But it is time for the next topic, which is Afghanistan. So. And what's... Uh, uh, Afghanistan what? Stan. What? Stan. Stan? And Laurel. Hardy? Yeah, exactly. Um... Okay. Anyway, no. Um, so what's happening in Afghanistan right now is pretty much what everybody thought was going to happen in Afghanistan when we pulled out. I see some people expressing some level of surprise. To me, the only question was speed. I mean, I suppose like, you know, you, you kind of cross your fingers and hope that something else would turn up. But, you know, as the Americans are pulling out, the Taliban is taking over. I see a lot of people. I've seen a lot of a, a lot of people upset about this. And 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 look, not not that that not that it's not that I'm I'm not saying. Oh yeah, you should be thrilled that, that, that this is happening. But you shouldn't be surprised. That's not, what well, that's not what I mean. You shouldn't be surprised. But but here's the other thing about this. Well, we could have done this. We could have done that. Listen, I my whole take on this is we've been there twenty years, okay, and. Even after 20 years, and the, the uh, I think probably more than a trillion dollars for sure spent, okay? Yeah. If this government and that military cannot stand on its own, there is really nothing that we can do. There is truly nothing that we can do. So the one argument I saw put out today um, it was... Yeah, you were never going to turn Afghanistan into, you know, a Western European democracy. Okay, that 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 wasn't going to happen. Um, but you could still say that what we were doing, you know, after the first few years that were, you know, really big and expensive or whatever, the last few years we've been in Afghanistan have had a relatively small uh, presence, only a few thousand. Uh, casualties were fairly light. You know, we were only losing a handful of people a year. And of course, we don't want to lose a handful of people anywhere. But just as many, if you just look at raw numbers, just as many were being lost in the U.S. through accidents and stuff. You know, it's it wasn't a huge number of casualties coming out of there. And uh, in exchange, what we got was we were able to protect a certain zone within Afghanistan and enable you know, uh, enable some version of democracy, rights for women, et cetera, et cetera, and, and help. And if we look, if we had looked at it from the beginning of not, um, something else, but if, if we were looking at it as 
look, this is just the cost. We're going to play, we're going to have this amount per year that we are doing to protect that the, the people of Afghanistan from the Taliban. And we're just there to protect them. Uh, that it was worth it just for keeping the Taliban from taking over, the negative things that they were they are going to do when they are in charge, and from them potentially becoming a new hotbed of terrorism in the future, et cetera, et cetera. And the argument is, you know, the cost wasn't really that high. Um, now, I kind of feel like you do, like it's it's not... It's not tenable to be there. I mean, but, uh, can I tell you that? Listen, yeah. can I? You know what that argument sounds like? Listen, the, what I hear said is that you know what? We basically need to occupy Afghanistan for the rest of our lives. Yes, that is what that argument is saying. I mean, that Af- Afghanistan basically should be our colony in the Middle East. Yes, that's basically what that's saying. And, and I, I just don't know if that's a really tenable thing. And, and I. Honestly, whether that really is worse. Mm. I mean, the way, the way I think is, look, th- it is clear that the public support wasn't there to maintain that kind of indefinite presence. Uh, no, there wasn't a huge anti-war movement in the U.S., but it had been 20 years, etc. There, there was significant, you know, th- the support wasn't there to just outright say, yeah, we're staying there forever. Thank you very much. Because um, people wanted to either win or lose. You know, and neither of those were going to happen. Like the, the, the realistic scenario was we will stay there forever protecting the, you know, protecting people from the Taliban. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, I, I, I that was not tenable. Uh, we were not going to do that. Uh, you know, both parties wanted to be out. Yeah. But what I think we have been failing at uh, is providing a way out for the people who need it in this scenario. Um, and, you know, there's been a lot of attention on sort of the translators to help the U.S. military and stuff like that. And it seems like the Biden administration has been really slow on helping those people, and quite a few of them are going to end up being left behind or killed. Or Well, it, 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 we've pretty much seen the ones who are being left behind, the ones who fall into Taliban control are getting killed left and right, and their families are too. Um, you know, so that is happening. And the Biden administration has been criticized over and over again for the last three or four months of like, you announced you're leaving, but you've been acting in slow motion in terms of getting these people out. You've been made, you know, you've make make, you're making them go through all kinds of bureaucratic crap. You're not giving them the resources they need to get out easily. And they've sort of accelerated it over the last few weeks. But even beyond that, it's clear you're going to have, huge numbers of refugees coming out of Afghanistan who are trying every possible way to escape and certain ones that can't like anybody who's, you know, a- any woman who's been politically active or has been out there is in danger from the Taliban when they get there. Um, anybody who's been involved at all with anything related to the West is in danger. And, you know, there's going to be huge numbers of refugees and we're not, you know, I, there was a Reuters article earlier today um, talking about, how the U, I think it was Reuters, how the U.S. was going around trying to find countries to accept these refugees. And there was one article that said Canada has stepped up and said they'll take 20,000. Okay. Okay. My, my cousin, Heather Holbert, who's a foreign policy person, uh, pointed out that 
Canada has one-eighth the population of the U.S., so that's the equivalent to the United States taking 175,000 Afghanistan uh, re refugees from Afghanistan on, on top of standard refugee stuff. The U.S. is not doing that. The U.S. is like, hey, country over there, will you take some? Country over there, will you take some? We're pretty much only opening up to people who can directly prove that they worked with the U.S. military for more than a year. Um, which is a very restrictive group. And there are going to be hundreds of thousands of refugees here. I, I, I'm feeling the, you know, you know, we, our involvement there is such that if, you know, maybe we can't stay there forever. That makes sense to me. We shouldn't be there forever. But if we're going to pull out and put all these people in danger, we should be like, doors are open. Any of you who want to come, come on over. There's plenty of room in lots of our states as, you know, doors open, come. And we're not doing anything like that. In most of these uh, collapses like this, I mean, when I look at this, uh, you know, what, what, what comes to my mind are two collapses before. I thought about Vietnam. Yep. And I thought about, well, when the Russians pulled out of Afghanistan themselves. <laughs> yeah. Uh, look, it, 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 well, I mean, look, when the Russians pulled out of Afghanistan back then, they had been in occupation in 10 years and they they had set up a, a government. I mean, yeah, kind of like we did that. They propped them up, gave them whatever, pop, 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 the whole damn thing. Look, just as soon as they moved out, not very long afterwards, the same thing happened. Yeah, the same thing. The same thing. This is, you know, I mean, I just looked at it playing out, and I'm like, it's a fucking replay. Right. It's like, you know, and look, the same thing with Vietnam. If they don't have the popular support, if they don't have, you know, because it wasn't the lack of weapons, training, or money, that they just never, were, I mean, the government had a reputation for being weak and corrupt. Yep. Over and over, this shit kept happening. It just was never on a strong foundation. And I mean, like I said, so what? So we're just going to establish the American colony in fucking Afghanistan? I, 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 I just, and, and believe me, I feel bad for what's going on to a lot of people that are there. But it's one of those things that it's just, it, it wound up an untenable situation and i do agree that so that's from the from the perspective of whether we could have held this indefinitely as it was i i don't think that that was the case now in terms of opening the doors to having more people be able to go and seek refuge from this i totally agree that we definitely need to do a hell of a lot more than what we're doing right now um hey, i'm glad that the canadians are opening their doors to 20,000 of them. Um, you know, like you said, I actually, I think that the more accurate number, uh, no, you know, you're, you actually hit the number right. It's around 160. Yeah, if we took the equivalent, we should be accepting about 160,000 refugees. Yes, that is about the right number that we should uh, be offering resettlement if we did the equivalent of Canada. Um, I mean, I, I, I mean, I think that that, I don't see why the hell not, given the situation where it is right now. I just think that 
what it was definitely did not work, and whatever it is that we're going to do in order to maintain our security posture in there definitely couldn't depend on this continuing as it was. Yeah. Uh, now, the, the Pentagon just announced so, in the last 24 hours that they're actually putting more people in right now to help with the evacuation of, of foreign nationals and the people who we are taking in. Uh, we're putting it, we're actually putting in more troops right now than we pulled out. You know, we, we, before all of this latest round of pullout started, we had about 3000 people in Afghanistan. We're putting in like 3,800 right now to help with the evacuation. Um, so there'd be a spike up, but they, they emphasize this is temporary. We, this is very short time horizon. We're helping with the evacuation and then we're out. Right. Um, but the, the question here to me is there, there are two questions. One, just how bad is it going to get in Afghanistan? Uh, you know, there's still some people saying that the government will be able to hold on to at least Kabul. Um, I don't know about that. Um, we'll see. I mean, that's possible by the way, because, but by the way, that is very possible because, because, you know, if you go back to the scenario back in the Russian years, that's what also happened too. It took, a, I mean, yes, a lot of the other cities fell, but fall of Kabul took a long, long time. That that wasn't, like, immediate. So, yeah. So we'll see. So one of the questions is just how bad does Afghanistan get and how quickly does it happen? Because I think the one thing that has surprised folks a little bit here uh, is not necessarily that the central government has failed to defend this territory, but just how quick the Taliban was ready to take over. Um, but, uh, and, and then the domestic and look, I, I don't want to, I don't want to de-emphasize how bad Afghanistan gets. Cause I think it has the possibility of getting really, really bad. Um, and, and, and so then you'll start getting questions of like, do we have a duty to protect and duty to come back in there to help in some way? And, but the other bit is, you know, political implications for Biden and such like, because you, you know the Republicans will be all over this, and a bunch of Democrats will be too. In terms of like oh, every single yeah, every yeah, single yeah, image we see coming out of Afghanistan, honestly, none of these people give a shit. I I, I know, but they they will Come use on, it. Give me a fucking break. I, I, I'm not saying that they actually they don't, care. They don't get they use it. Nobody gives. Tell me what. Listen, even with Bush up to his fucking eyeballs. In Iraq. Yeah. Did he lose an election over it? Nope. Exactly. You can argue that it hurt him and made it closer than it would have been, but yeah, he didn't lose over it. Right. And this isn't even, and, and this isn't even anywhere nearly close to that debacle. People are going to forget about this unless, you know, unless something crazy batshit more happens. In two weeks, people, you know, they, they're, they're, they're forgetting about it. They're, listen, they're not going to give a fuck about this. Like, in a week. I I expect some of the, the crazy stuff, right? Like, what, what I expect is if it gets really bad in Afghanistan, you will see ads showing atrocities in Afghanistan and blaming Joe Biden, saying he got out when we told him not to, where everybody was saying, don't do it. And it wasn't everybody, of course. You and, know, and, the, and you the, know what? You, overall, you know what a whole bunch of fucking racist people, you know what a whole <laughs> bunch of fucking racist people are going to say over here? What do you think they'll say? They won't be upset in the slightest. Yeah. They may they may even be happy. 
Exactly. Oh, look, a whole bunch of towel heads got killed. Great. <laughs> oh, God. Um, oh, am I making... What? Is that not what they will say? That's what those fuckers will say. <sighs> yeah. Me, you don't have to repeat it anyway. But yeah, anyway. But that's what they... But that's what the reaction from those fucking racist assholes will be. I, I don't I don't disagree. There will be a lot of that. And um and and you're right, this is happening early enough that by the time we get to 2022, let alone 2024, it'll be ancient history. Yep. Yep. Exactly. So we'll see. Okay. We are out of time again. Let's take a break. Um, a, a real break this time, not just switching from one topic to another. And when we come back, it will be Oh, Yvonne, it is once again Infrastructure Week. Oh my god, again? Infrastructure Week for real this time? Well, not really real, real, but yet another Infrastructure Week. And then uh, a little bit about the census and redistricting. We'll be back right after this. Do, do, do! You're listening to this podcast. Do you like it? No! Do you want to support the show? No! Well, after you have subscribed to the show, followed us on Facebook, and told all your friends they should be listening to, what else can you do? I won't subscribe! You can help fund our Patreon at patreon.com slash curmudgeonscorner. Patreon is a way you can throw us a few bucks a month to help out with the expenses of the show. You know, web hosting, equipment, a little bit of advertising to promote the show, and maybe every once in a while some much-needed sedatives for Yvonne. At different contribution levels, you can get a mention on the show, a Curmudgeon's Corner postcard, or even a Curmudgeon's Corner mug. Fun stuff. Not fun! In any case, the contributions help tell us that you enjoy and appreciate the show. I really, really hate Curmudgeon's Corner! Are we worth a buck a month? No! Five bucks a month? No! Or if you are nuts about us, maybe even more. One hundred billion! Billion dollars! Even though you don't have anywhere near a billion dollars! If we're worth anything to you at all, send it our way at patreon.com slash curmudgeons corner. Alex hates. Really, really hates. Curmudgeons Corner! That's really mean, isn't it? I hate Corner. do. Okay, we are back, and it is indeed time to talk about Infrastructure Week again. Yay! Yeah, very exciting. Uh, <laughs> infrastructure Week. Okay, so Yvonne, what what all happened this week? It seems like this is moving. Really fast this week, the the Senate uh, passed it, and with like nineteen Republican votes, I think it ended up being yes. Um, and then uh, they started on reconciliation in the Senate, which I figured would take a little while. The whole process takes a little while, but the first nope. bit of it only took a couple days, yep. and they got that passed with yep. with the expected. Uh, it, 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 it did go through. It was 50 votes, right? Um, right. It was 50-49, so the vice president didn't even have to, like, uh, cast right. the tie vote because some Republican wasn't present. Um, and so 
And so reconciliation is on its way to the house too. The house is going to pick that up as soon as they get back. Um, and uh, then we get this sort of, so, so first of all, let's, let's grant this to begin with before we talk about anything else, both of these two things, the, the bipartisan bill and the reconciliation starting gun essentially um, have, they actually happened. Like, you know, I, I will fully admit, I doubted we'd ever even get to this point. There are a whole lot of additional steps before the president signs anything, but the fact that they even managed to get this far, um, you know, was the conventional wisdom, including me, was that it was a long shot. I mean, when you and I talked about it, I think we gave it 50-50 odds. We both agreed on 50-50 odds. Right. But, you know, it... Biden's Biden and the senators he's been working with have pulled it off so far. Uh, and you got to give them credit for that, even if they don't make it the rest of the way. But the fact that they have made it this far makes you think maybe they can pull it off. Maybe they can actually pull this off. Well, I, I really think I, I really think at this point I'm putting the odds of this happening in North of 90%. I mean, I think this thing, this, this is happening mm, for, wait, no, l l let's be, let's specify. Is that north of 90% for both bills or just the yes. bipartisan oh, one? Yeah, yeah, or, yeah. No, now, for both. is that both no, for both? It, w will the bipartisan bill be su significantly scaled back? No. Okay. North of 90, huh? I, I, I might go up. I, I'm probably at like 75% at this point, but they were, there were a bunch of, People it, this time it was the moderates basically saying, I don't know that we're on board on this. I don't like the idea of saving the bipartisan bill to not vote on it until the reconciliation is done. Um, and maybe if that happens, I'll pull my support for, for the bipartisan bill. Um, and there were a bunch of house Democrats uh, on the moderate side saying things like this over the last couple of days. Um, so there are, but I think a lot of this is posturing yeah, and, and sort of the opening part of the negotiation to adjust what's in there a little bit, yep. um, as opposed to, um, a, as opposed to something that will actually block it because I think they all realize that, you know, Joe Biden's entire agenda is wrapped up in these two bills right now. Because, you know, who knows how much time they have left while they can still do something, right? Um, the, 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 the Republicans very likely, yeah, we can, we'll talk about this in the second half here. The, the Republicans still have the advantage for 2022 for taking over at least the House. Um, and, you know, and there's the, the majorities are so precarious, like, one or two people like tripping down the stairs at the right time could like eliminate the majority overnight, you know? Yes. So they don't necessarily have all the time in the world. And I think they all know that. I think they know from what's happening in the, uh, sort of, you know, the, the, the Florida people act and the John Lewis act on voter rights and gerrymandering and stuff and how that is not looking very likely to happen. Uh, because, you know, they would need to change the filibuster for that. And they're not getting Republicans on board on that. And they can sort of see this is the end of the line. <laughs> you know, these two bills 
everything you're actually going to get done this term is going to be what's in these two bills. That That's it. You're probably not going to get anything else of substance done. Maybe a few things that are under the radar bipartisan things, but like when you get to sort of major democratic agenda items, what's in these two bills are what you're going to get. And, and it, but let's be clear. It's a lot of stuff. It's a lot of stuff. And that's why I'm saying, like, I don't feel like there are going to be a lot of Democrats who are actually going to be willing to put their necks on the line as the ones who torpedo this thing. Yeah. You want to derail, like, you know, funding, like, uh, you know, fixing bridges, getting a whole bunch of jobs, like, uh, even like with the, the other reconciliation, didn't they put some of this money that they wanted for, for additional child care, the tax credits? I mean, people are already getting money in the bank, like, right now for this shit. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, all of this shit is stuff that people fucking like, that they can campaign on and sell. That's tangible. And I realize on the one hand, we've got sort of the the moderate Democrats saying, yeah, but that reconciliation bill is way too much. And how do we pay for it? And blah, 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 blah. Um, and then we got the progressive saying, no, we, we're, we're, we are not going to approve the bipartisan bill until we are sure the other one is happening. And the moderates are upset at that because it's like holding it hostage. And how are we going to pay for it is like, you know, well, we can pay for it with the super coin. Yes, yes. The... the the, the platinum coin that can be minted uh, so we don't have to, uh, you know, issue more debt. A uh, whole other topic, but <laughs> let's keep at it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I feel like now, look, there are a lot of places where this still could fall apart. I mean, you're putting it only at a 10% chance of failure. I put it a little bit higher because you've got this negotiation that has to happen in the House. Um, if they... If they change anything on, um, then it has to go back to the, that's the whole, the reconciliation process is, you know, there, there are going to be differences between house and Senate and they have to do stuff, but you don't want to change anything in the house. That's going to cause the Senate to not like it. Um, you know, so there, there's a lot of delicate negotiations, but at this point, the del the delicate negotiations are mostly between the Democrats. Um, the Republicans have sort of, you know, the, the, the Senate bipartisan bill passed, uh, the Democrats presumably are basically going to, you know, rubber stamp that one. And the negotiations are on the reconciliation side. Um, cause I, I don't think they'd want to send anything back to the Senate again after changing it. Cause they might lose some votes there and then cause, and not be able to get the 60 after all. So th they want to be very careful. You know, this is still a tight wire act, uh, but I, I do feel like no Democrat's really going to be the one who completely makes this go down in flames, even like Manchin or Cinema on the Senate side. But they, they have their equivalents on the on the House side. I, no, no one's going to want to be that person who kills this stuff. I, I just keep coming back to that. So they're going to they're going to play hardball. Um, we're going to have like, a, you know, th they're on their summer break right now. They're going to take all this stuff up in September when they get back. And I don't know, like, I feel like the quicker things happen once they get back, the more chance it has of success. Like if it starts dragging out into October, November, then you're like, okay, maybe this ain't going to happen. But I feel like they are hoping that they can actually work out a lot of this stuff behind the scenes during the break 
and come back in September and ram this thing through really fast. Yeah, I, I think that's what I expect at this point. Yeah. Now, and and I mentioned, um, yes, just just a couple minutes before we move on to census redistricting because it it sort of you know all ties into this stuff. Um, and uh, so we can do a segue, a transition. The intermediate topic is, of course, that voter. Well, I, I don't like doing the whole segue thing because you you know that the you know the guy that invented that segue thing went and, like killed himself, right? Uh, yes, I know. I know you were going to, and it, it was it. It remember before it was revealed as a segue, there was this whole thing about this this magical new thing that would revolutionize transportation, and it was just yes, it, yes, it. yes, yes. It was just it that it was a segue, right? Yes. Um, and then the guy managed to drive off a cliff on one of those and kill himself. Well, that, well, that that's lovely. Yeah. So I don't want a segue because I I I, I don't you know. Okay, the transitional topic that I wanted to mention. Ah, transitional. Much better. Yeah. Okay. I won't use that word again. The transitional topic um, is, is the voting rights legislation. Uh, because, you know, people, I keep hearing Democrats on various talk shows and podcasts and whatever talking about how crucial it is to pass these two bills because. You know, we, we, we have to stand up for the, you know, the, you know, against the voter suppression stuff. Now they're now because of the census stuff we're going to talk about next, they're talking more about the gerrymandering part of it as well. Cause these bills include, uh, um, include provisions to, uh, make national rules on what's allowed and what's not allowed in terms of, uh, drawing districts. But they keep talking about, you know, we've got to do this. We've got to do this. It's, uh, you know, if, if we don't, everything will be a disaster and blah, blah, blah. And so, and look, the only way to get, re to realistically get this done, because, you know, Joe, Ma Joe Manchin has said a few times that he's going to, you know, write a new version of this and try to get Republican support. He's not getting Republican support. Like if if they actually pull off a bipartisan voter rights thing and gerrymandering thing, I I will be completely shocked. Um, that's not happening. I I completely agree with you on that. That is not happening either. And we have Joe Manchin and uh, Senator Cinema saying over and over and over again, "No, we are not budging on." The filibuster. No, we are not eliminating the filibuster for legislation. No, we are not doing a narrow carve out for this kind of thing. Um, you know, saying, oh, it's voter rights. It, it's voting legislation that has to take precedence. And it, no, we're not doing a narrow carve out. Um, the closest thing we've heard anybody say is Manchin has a couple times said, eh, maybe I could do something like where you have to actually go to a standing filibuster and make it a little bit more painful to do a filibuster. And even then, he hasn't indicated a lot of support to that. He just sort of said he would consider it. And cinema has said no to that. So, like, n no. Like, take them at their word. They've been saying it over and over and over again. You got all of these Democrats sort of saying, but maybe if we just do this one more thing, we can convince them and make them see the light and blah, blah, blah. And there's no sign that either one of them is seeing the light of filibuster reform anytime in any time 
you know? And and maybe they'll pull a rabbit out of the hat for that, but I don't think so. I think the Democrats have to sort of get used to the idea that, like I said before, this infrastructure stuff, this is it. This is what you're going to get. You're not getting anything Democratic agenda-wise after that, and you're not you're not getting the voter rights stuff this way. You know, it's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It's I, we, I mean, there's just no way in fucking hell it's happening this way. And, and and look, I understand how like important it would be if they were able to do that, and how. And I understand. I'm looking at all the stuff the Republicans are doing all over the place uh, with the state by state legislation, and it it is pretty bad. And it's going to put the Democrats at a, a significant additional disadvantage beyond beyond that they already were because it's a mid year election or mid because it's a midterm election. Um, and so, yeah. <laughs> um, and so get as much as you can done with the other stuff and then start gearing up for, you know, the consequences of not having this. The other part on the voter rights stuff, and then we move full-fledged into census and redistricting, um, is honestly, a lot of it might not survive the Supreme Court anyway. You know, the whole reason we have all this you know, voter suppression stuff going on is that the Supreme Court struck down the previous laws that tried to protect this stuff. Um, and maybe you could write it in a way that wouldn't have that result, but I certainly wouldn't count on it. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, you you wrote these laws and went up to the Supreme Court and they immediately said, yeah, nice, nice try. Never mind. <laughs> you know? Um, now, I say go right up. That stuff takes time. It takes a lot of time to move up and down the chain and everything. And and this Supreme Court has been surprising in a few areas and upholding things that people didn't think they would. But, you know, but this specifically is an area where they have reached rulings on this recently that went the other way. So I don't know. I, I feel like the Republicans have the advantage on this one and they are going to do everything they possibly can uh, to hold on to power where they can and to take back one, if not both houses of Congress. And uh, the Democrats are just going to have to deal with that for a while, unfortunately. Okay, so census and redistricting. Um, so just real quick, uh, this, you know, within the last 24 hours before we recorded the show, the census came out with their detailed information on uh, the results of the 2020 census. Uh, they had previously released some high-level numbers and enough to say, you know, which states were going to gain or lose uh, congressional seats and stuff like that. What they released today was the really granular, uh, you know, sort of block-by-block -block information all over the country uh, with all kinds of breakdowns of, uh, of detailed census information and where people were, what ethnicity they were, other information about their families and everything else like this. Basically, this is the raw data that is used for the redistricting process. Now, you know, I mentioned, you know, this redistricting being fairly grim for Democrats, the census data actually was pretty good for Democrats compared to what was expected. Um, basically, uh, the two trends, less white people 
and more city people than expected. Now, who would like that? Who would like that? That that would be the Democrats. Um, you know, and so the 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 thing is that they expected trends in this direction to some degree, but they they sort of blew away the expectations. Like people know there's been this long-term trend of non-white people making up a larger and larger portion of American society. But basically that's happening faster than anybody really expected. Um, same thing with the move from, uh, from rural areas to cities. That's a trend that's been going on forever, but it's, it's happening faster than people expected it to. Um, and so what that means, you know, in terms of redistricting is it's going to make it harder for the Republicans than they thought it was going to be. Why don't we buy a farm, Sam? Should I, I should buy a farm? We should buy a farm. No, we, 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 we should buy a farm. Well, we could, you know, hey, we're talking about trying to take over the rent districts. Maybe we should find a, a borderline rent district. Yeah, we yeah. should just buy a farm. Okay. Yeah, I'm in. Yeah, sure. <laughs> the hell? I mean, we could work. I mean, if they let you work remotely. Uh, are you and I going to live there together? <laughs> I mean, it's a farm. I mean, we could probably have built two houses. Ah, there you go. There you go. And a studio. And a studio. Hmm. Yeah. And we could like, you know, right smack in the middle somewhere like Nebraska or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, But what I mean when I say the Republicans... Well, it'll be harder for them than before. They still have the advantage in the redistricting process. Um, Republicans control like the process in like 20 states. I think it's like 10 or so. I'm, I'm, I, I the, these are approximate numbers. I, I apologize for not having the real numbers in front of me, but it's something like the Republicans have 20 something. The Democrats have around 10, uh, states where they control the process. Um, the estimate was before these new numbers dropped that the Republicans could potentially pick up like 10 or 12 seats in the, in the house just by redistricting cleverly, uh, without any changes in public opinion without anybody like, you know, overperforming or anything like that, just straight up on the redistricting. Um, and with this, with these kinds of harder, th these numbers make it harder so that maybe instead of getting 10 to 12, they'll get six or seven. But the key there is six or seven is still, you know, more than the amount the Democrats are head by in the house right now. You know, so it's still enough that just redistricting alone could potentially give the Republicans the House of Representatives. If all things were equal, we have a couple things that aren't equal. One, of course, is the fact that the president's party almost always loses in off-year elections. And that, of course, favors the Republicans even more. The other is just... What does the economy look like? What does the pandemic look like? What does everything else look like by the time we get to November 2022? Because there are sort of specific effects to specific years. And the few times that the president's party has actually managed to hold on ha have been basically when things are going really, really well. So we'll see where we are. The other factor I'll, I'll throw in there is that the Republicans are 100% still tying themselves to Donald Trump and MAGA and 
this sort of white nationalist nonsense that they're into. Um, and there's a, there's been a, a significant counter reaction to that. And we'll see how much of that sticks. And I think part of that depends on how the Donald Trump dynamics continue to play out over the next year and a half. Well, I, I mean, I, I, I still see the, him playing into this a lot. And I mean, they are going to try to do everything they can at this point to pander to him doing whatever the hell. Yeah. I mean, that's what it seems like. I, I don't think, I don't see any change in strategy, uh, anytime, uh, soon, uh, regarding him. Uh, I mean, here's me hoping that, uh, some of my predictions become correct. <laughs> uh, are, are, are you perhaps speaking about your recurring prediction about not, uh, Mr. Trump uh, not making it through the year because of his uh, health? Perhaps. Perhaps. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, that would be a great favor to the nation. So anyway, the, the, the results on the census are that Redistricting still looks like it favors the Republicans, but not by as much as it did, um, which is good news for the Democrats. It means whatever deficit they have to make up is a little bit less. They still have to overperform beyond what the president's party usually does in off in, 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 in midterms, but not by as much as they did. Um, the other thing I, I just want to point out, and I sort of alluded to this before, but the New York times had one good article slash visualization about census results. It's where the racial makeup of the U S shifted in the last decade, uh, by Denise Liu, Charlie Smart and Lazaro Gamio, uh, uh, published on August 12th. Uh, there are, there are lots of nice charts and graphs and maps and all kinds of fun stuff that you can look into there. But Right near the top is one chart that I think explains almost all of what we've been seeing the last few years. It's how the population makeup changed in the United States. And it shows a stacked area chart from 1980 to 2020 of the split of the country between white, black, Hispanic, uh, Asian, other, etc. And you can see the trend sort of accelerating where in 1980, it was like, I'm estimating from looking at the chart, about 80% of the population was white with 2020. We've dropped below 60%. Um, and you know, there's growth in all, uh, all of the other areas and the, you know, the percentage of sort of, you know, your, your traditional white Christian, whatever, is dropping and dropping and dropping and the it's accelerating and it's getting close to the 50% mark. And I think this fundamentally, like if you look at what the Republican party has turned into in the last few years, and yeah, we've said it before, it seems like a lot of it is in, in reaction to Barack Obama actually being elected president. Um, it's just outright fear and panic over the fact that, you know, whites aren't going to be a majority in this country pretty damn soon. And they don't like it and they make them feel uncomfortable and it's changed and it's different. And, uh, you know, 
and, and it feels like so much of what's been going on can just be explained directly by that. I mean, I think that it's the only plausible explanation, right? Ivan, Ivan, economic anxiety. <laughs> economic anxiety. Well, I listen. I, I think. I, I, listen, there, there definitely is. Uh, I think it's an economic anxiety, but it's 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 not from the same. It's not from. How do I say? It's not money directly. It's the relative positioning about money and wealth and where you stand. Yeah. You know, the other day, somebody on YouTube just put something about money. Okay? It's a YouTuber I follow, and uh, he posted something related to money and the incredibly uh, incredible amount of vitriol related to his purported wealth mm. that came out from a number of people was, whoa, th- th- this are supposedly his fans. Okay. Um, and, and, and that anxiety really seemed more from the fact that I think as a YouTuber, when he started, he obviously didn't have that much. Okay, mm-hmm. but he's definitely r- raking in some big bucks because some of the big, you know, these YouTubers that got over a million subs or whatever are raking a good, good chunk of change right now. Yeah, oh yeah, yep. And um, there was a lot of uh, of jealousy to that, and so when you combine people that uh, are struggling financially. And then they see these liberal elites and then an African-American that all of a sudden are more educated at doing better. Yep. You combine the racism with the money. Oof. Man. Yeah, you're right. That's a toxic combination. They do feed into each other. The The economic stuff exacerbates the the racial stuff. But... Yep. Because it's, it's, who, it, because it's who to blame. Yes, exactly. It it, prov- it provides the scapegoat that you need to explain. Exactly. Why why am I not doing well? It must be because of them. Yeah, because because like I saw Laura Ingraham today, like say on you know somebody had, had had posted on Twitter that Laura Ingraham today said that white people aren't. It's it's Ingram. It's Laura Ingram. Oh, whatever her fucking name, but the, the fuck her name. <laughs> fucking fucking bitch, okay? All right, from now on. Okay? okay? Yeah. Went on TV on Fox and was saying that white people can't get into top universities because of quotas. Uh-huh. Okay? Exactly. That's what that fucking bitch is saying. So, and I would actually put it, like, I would generalize even further, um... And I think we've talked about this on the show before, but it feels like there's a lot of just dislike of change in general. Oh, people! Everybody hates change. Every, 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 no, everybody hates change. But what I'm saying is, like, there's. It seems like there's the the conservative side of society very much anchors their identity on things staying the way they were and gets really, really upset when they change. And I think the biggest change they're seeing are the racial changes are the increased diversity in other areas too. I mean, Hey, we, 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 we let the homosexuals like 
be open about it now. What the hell? Right. You know, but the, 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 you know, the racial stuff, the cultural stuff, the everything it's, it's them. It, it's, it's change, but e- even more important than just change. Like the, it's change that isn't favoring them. It isn't change that's controlled by them. It's not driven by them. It's not moving in the direction that they would themselves choose. Um, And so they're seeing these other people suddenly having power and influence where they didn't before. And they feel it as a loss of their own. Um, You know, and in in some cases it is, you know, the maybe the right wing evangelicals have less influence over culture than they did before. And, you know, I'm okay with that, but they aren't obviously. Um, And so, yeah, it's, 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 but yeah, I, I think you look at the chart that just shows the ethnic makeup of the United States and it's like, well, duh, no, this more than anything else, and specifically, like, Repub- Republicans have a lot of other things going on. But I think this one chart explains specifically the fact that Republicans seem to be turning away from the core concepts of democracy. Right. Yeah. Uh, 100%. Suddenly, they're not so sure that, you know, majority rules is okay. Why is that? Because they're not a majority anymore. You know, and, and the trends are against them. And so they're doing all of this stuff, uh, from the voter suppression to the gerrymandering, to the increasing reliance on the the structure of the Senate and all of this kind of stuff, basically to try to lock in as much power as they can as, you know, to essentially do minority rule, you know, for longer, you know, um, and, you know, and I've seen people, and I don't know how much is hyperbole, how much is real, but like, you know, if they are successful with a really good gerrymander in 2020, and they're successful with a whole bunch of these laws to change how states are allowing votes, change how states count votes, all of this kind of stuff, they, you know, they could potentially lock in their control in a whole bunch of areas for like another decade. Eventually, some of these demographic changes may become too much and they can't overcome them through these methods, but that may take a long time. And, and you, and as we saw in Texas, like, you know, you can't just look at these blocks and say, oh, they're more Hispanic people. Therefore, they're more Democrats. You know, a lot of Hispanic people are Republicans too. Right. So it's not that simple, but you, but you can see these trends and you can, it just, it, it clicks. It makes sense. Oh. Yeah, look at this chart. You know, look at the part of the chart that's white people going down, 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 down. No wonder they're acting like this. <laughs> I know. Oh, well, well, you know, well, it just means it takes a little bit longer. Yeah, well, and, and you know, the, the question in all of these things is, okay, let's say the Republicans take over the House and the Senate in 2022. How much damage can they do? Uh, you know, and, and can they do more things that try to lock in the result in 2024 or beyond, you know, that those will be the things we'll be discussing for the next few years. If, if, if they go in that direction. Yep. Yep. I think we're done, Yvonne. We're done. Yep. It's time to say the stuff at the end. Oh, 
Oh, you know what we didn't do? Oh, you, you wait, you have something else? Go, 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 go. Well, we didn't talk about the feedback week. Well, we got a question. We didn't mention that we got a listener. Oh, oh, you get, yes, yes. Do mention, we, we had a question from a listener specifically to Yvonne. You want to talk about it? So our listener, Emily Kay, sent us a, a, a message asking about, I mentioned a couple of times about uh, ceramic wax. And so so she was asking about it. So I sent her the info. I'm just giving a shout out. Thank you for the question and listening. Uh, I hope the information I gave on the ceramic wax helps. Everybody says, uh, I'll, I'll give my product endorsement. I bought this brand called Avalon King. Okay. Do-it-yourself ceramic wax at home. It's pretty cheap. And... The great thing is, you know, look. And j- just to be clear, Yvonne, what? Yes. What? What are we waxing here? The car, car, car. Not, not your bald head. I mean, I guess you could, <laughs> but I don't think it. You know, I don't think it lasts at, as long. Oh, okay. Okay? okay. All right. Now, this works on. I had some discussion, like glass, for example. Um, this is the one thing where I got to say that look, it makes it much easier to clean the car, clean your wheels, everything. And it lasts a lot longer than regular wax, okay? It lasts years versus, you know, a, a few months with regular wax. Uh, but but it's also the it's the way that it repels water, okay? How it's hydrophobic is so effing cool that, look, like rain, I don't even have to sometimes turn on my wiper so the rain just, like, flies off, mm. okay? That's how good it is. And it works a lot better than some other products like Rain-X that are advertised to do that which don't last that long and don't really work as well. Now, this shit really does a great job. I In foul weather, you're driving with that on your windshield where nobody else is seeing a damn thing, you can see perfectly out your windshield. It's fantastic. I highly recommend, if you're not going to even, if you don't care about uh, waxing the whole car, which I can understand, you know, pain in the ass, and you know, a lot of people don't care, but it will maintain your car finish uh, for a very, very long time. But, if you just say, hey, you just want to use it for just the windshields and just for the glass, listen, it's fantastic. It really improves the safety of your vehicle while you're driving. It may be a little bit pricey just for that, but just look, I, for me, like when we're talking about $60 for the product or something like that, and, you know, we got a lot of rain here in Florida. You know, there's so many days that it's like so bad. Visibility gets really bad. I think that the added safety factor you get from that is well worth the money. So very good. Highly recommend it. So there you go. All right. So, okay. So let's, and thanks, Emily K for sending us a message. We really appreciate feedback from people. I want to mention one more thing about Emily's comment. She called back to something you discussed on the show like a year ago or something. Yes. Yes. So, so that indicates that not only is Emily listening, but she's been listening for a long time. Yes. So thank you, Emily, for being a regular listener. I think this is the first we've heard from you. Uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, you know, chime in more often. And, you know, and, yes. and, and speaking of that, it, you know, if, if you want in on our Curmudgeons Corner Slack, just send us another message. There we go. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. And so now time for the stuff at the end. Now, for real, right? I can do that now? For real? Yeah. Not fake? Not yes, fake. Yes, go. Yes. Okay. Uh, so, if you want to get in touch with us, there are a number of different ways. You can find us on Facebook. It's facebook.com slash Corner. That's how Emily contacted us. Yes, she did. Or you can talk to us on Twitter. I'm at Abelsme, A-B-U-L-S-M-E. And Yvonne is at I-M-B-O, I-M-B-O-U. We would love to hear from you on there, too. Or... 
you can email us. It's feedback at curmudgeons-corner.com. We will see that and reply to you as well. Well, probably Yvonne will see it. I might eventually see it. I don't know. Like, you know, he's better with email. Or carrier pigeon. Carrier pigeon. Yeah, sure. Carrier pigeon. That works as well. Yeah. What's our what what's our carrier pigeon address, Yvonne? Uh just tell them to find us. Oh yeah, they're smart like that. Yes. Is that the way it works? Okay. Yeah. Okay. And if you really like us, you can go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash curmudgeons corner, uh, where you can leave us a little tip. Uh, it's set up so you can give monthly amounts. Uh, if you want to give a one-time thing, just get in touch. We'll figure out a way. Um, but if you want to do a monthly thing at Patreon, uh, at, at all kinds of different levels, we have different things. We'll mention you on the show. We'll ring a bell. We'll send you a postcard. We'll send you a mug. But at $2 a month or more, or... If you talk to us, I'm going to say talk to us a lot, but like I just invited Emily and she's talked to us once. So yeah, just talk to us. You you can get on the Slack if you want to. Anyway, at $2 a month or more, we will invite you to the Commodians Corner Slack, or if you talk to us, like I said. Um, And the Slack is a chat room where Yvonne and I and some of our listeners are sharing news stories and links and talking about whatever is in the news or on our minds. Uh, and so, Yvonne, what are a few things that we have talked about on the Curmudgeon's Corner Slack in the last week that we did not mention on this show? Well, we talked about a naked woman that was arrested after crashing a car into a high school in Bellingham. That's in Washington State, where I am. Uh, yes. And so, and then we talked about that the air quality near where Sam lives sucks. Yeah, it's like smoke, smoke from fires, plus the heat, plus whatever, you know, yeah, it's all the combination of stuff. Well, I also shared uh, a clip of uh, an OAN guest uh, that was uh, trying to show how COVID vaccine made her magnetic, but but tried to do it over and over on TV while continuing to fail to show that she was magnetic. I read there was a thing about uh, some, it was a healthcare worker who was talking about how she worked to convince more people to get uh, the vaccine. And she mentioned that one of the things she started to do is carry magnets around with her to prove Mm -hmm. that, hey, I'm vaccinated and I'm not magnetic. It's not going to make you magnetic. Fuck. Okay. Well, if it works. Okay. All right. Go, go her. And apparently it works. So. Okay, go her. Okay. All right, good. Uh, We also saw that Jamie Spears apparently is agreeing to step down as uh, Britney's uh, conservator. Mm Mm-hmm. Now now she'll still have a uh, concern, whatever it's called. She'll still have people watching over her, just not her dad, who apparently has been not a good dad. Um, now she's still petitioning to get rid of it entirely. That's separate, but at least he's moving on. Well, at least that's a step. Uh, and then, uh, Louis Gomer, uh, warned OAN viewers about the hundreds of thousands of flamers, also known as birds who survive windmills, but wind up spontaneously combusting after flying over solar farms in the Southwest U.S. Yeah. <laughs> What is, I mean, what is this, I mean, this channel is just, just the cesspool of insanity, isn't it? 
you know, you know I, I'm sure there probably maybe some birds have exploded, but I don't think this is a big problem. Well, except for it, if the bird, I mean, I guess it would be a problem for that bird. Yes, it would be a very big problem for that bird. It would be dead. Listen, the only bird I ever remember exploding, okay? Seattle pitcher Randy Johnson, many, many years ago, okay? Threw a pitch. I think I've seen video of this. Yeah, you have to, because it was just ridiculous. that The guy was just pitching towards home plate. A bird came across, and he hit that bird at 100 miles an hour, and it just exploded. All the feathers all over the place. It was just horrible. Yeah. It was funny and horrible at the same time. I mean, he just, I mean, if he had tried, like, a, you know, he, he talks about how that was just one of the worst days ever as a pitcher. So if you haven't seen that video, just pull up, just Google search or whatever search engine you like. Randy Johnson. Bing, Bing, use Bing. Bing, 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 yes, Bing. Bing it, Bing it. <laughs> um, is that what they say? I guess, I don't know. I, 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 I personally, my default is DuckDuckGo. <laughs> yes. Or DuckDuckGo, duck it, whatever. Okay, one of those. Um, you know, Randy Johnson, bird strike. It's just, you know, yeah, uh, you'll, you'll, you'll find that video. It's just, so that's the only bird. Uh, let's see. The other things that I, I, I found, uh, you know, we shared, shared about uh, a company, uh, company uh, president that uh, how he went to his employees and got them to go from 22% to 92% vaccinating by listening to them, talking to them, getting finding the right person in the group that he could convince that then would talk to them so they would listen and so forth. So that was a very interesting thing. Yeah. And apparently John Durham is uh, talking to a grand jury. John Durham was this person that was assigned, a prosecutor that was assigned uh, by Bill Barr to look into the origins of the Russia, inv- Russia probe. And so he is, like, right now, uh, apparently talking to a grand jury about presenting some stuff. We don't know what it is, so, we'll, you know, but if anybody did something wrong, then, um, you know, they should be prosecuted. So um, I also shared a horrible story about a Florida woman that was fatally shot by her toddler while she was on a Zoom work call. I mean, shot in the head. She died, apparently, instantly. It's just horrible. It's just somebody left a gun lying around in their house. It's just, it's just why I don't... No guns. Just, just no. No fucking guns. Yeah. Uh, and then, and that, so, that, that, I'll leave it at that note. That's, you know. Oh, and, well, no, one more. To, to be on a more positive note. On a, on a lighter note, that Amy Coney, Co- Amy Coney Barrett declined to block an IU's vaccine mandate, which was a very positive development indeed that, you know, it seems that vaccine, you know, the Supreme Court is like, you know what, we've been vaccinating vaccines for this fucking long bullshit anybody's going to challenge them. Don't even bother. So those are the things that we discussed on the Slacker Slack thing channel. Very good. So the only thing left to say is, uh, hey, if you have friends who you think might like the show, be sure to tell them about it. And that's it. Hey, everybody, stay safe. Have a good week. We'll be back here next time. And I guess that's it. Goodbye, everyone. 
Bye. Later, Yvonne. Later. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.